Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the official Scottish Rugby Podcast. Mossy and I are back at Scottish Gas Murrayfield uh, during what's been a very busy week in Scottish Rugby with plenty of good news stories to chat through. We'll be covering Scotland women's triumphant return from South Africa, celebrations inside Scotland men's squads and unpacking a weekend of mixed fortunes for the domestic sides in the URC. So what I mean, I'm wondering whether or not when we hear from Rachel Malcolm and Emma Wassell a little later on, uh, if they are still celebrating at this <laughs> point, must <laughs> uh, they deserve to be. Um, you know, three, just looking back, obviously winners, trophy lifters of WXV2 over in South Africa. Um, to do that, they had to win three games, three all three with a bonus point and still winning points difference fr- from Italy. So I mean, that's it's six wins in a row, first time I think ever had six wins in a row um, against quality opposition as well. So it's, uh, yeah, they deserve to celebrate. Uh, it's been a long, hard road uh, on field and off field the last two or three years. A difficult World Cup a year ago. Um, quite rightly, the, there was elation in qualifying for the Rugby World Cup, but then to have disappointed not winning a game and then the realisation of actually this is probably harder than we thought it was going to be and then the work that's gone in, the composure that's shown across those three games at crucial moments, Right up in, uh, even on, on, on Friday there against Japan, where they were playing in a howling gale for the first half, and to go in 7 all was a real result, and then really turn on the style after MOR's kind of, well, first or two brilliant scores just after half time. So um, I know we hear from them, they're pretty tired. Uh, <laughs> and there's, a, there's no doubt they'll be tired with the effort they've put in, they'll be tired from probably a couple of sleepless nights as well. But now, a really good news story and, and progression. Uh, the, the, it's brilliant for Scottish rugby, it's brilliant for the individuals involved, but I think they'll all say there's more to come. Well, I'm sure their voices are uh, still quite hoarse at this point, as you uh, alluded to there, so let's hear Early now. morning. We'll <laughs> early morning. Yeah, we'll let them go. Seven o'clock, so just off the early arrival flight. flight or wherever they came from. And, uh, the, Great yeah, to see. There were fans there as well, though, yeah. which is also important uh, to, to give them the reception back. But yes, with that in mind, with their, I'm sure, very croaky voices from well-deserved celebrations here, Scotland women's captain Rachel Malcolm and Emma Wassell. Uh, I feel happy, but slightly rough. <laughs> yeah, I've felt pressure. Um, no, it was a long flight. It's, it makes a big difference coming home with with the trophy in hand. Very happy indeed. Yeah, you guys have been. How long was the journey? About twenty four hours. You were travelling for. Yeah. So the first flight was ten hours. Second flight seven hours and a bit of a layover in between. Uh, so yeah, a bit a full day of travel and then straight on the bus to here. So. Yeah, a bit croaky throats, <laughs> a bit tired, but we move. <laughs> and obviously an incredible achievement um, for you guys to win the first ever WXV2. You're going to be the first name on that trophy that sits beside us just now. Has it sunk in yet? I it's, it's hard to kind of probably contextualise it because, like, actually the magnitude of, of winning a trophy is, is so much bigger than we probably realise. Um like been involved with Scottish rugby for a long, long time, and I was saying this to you. Like I remember once going to like a Q and A with kids, young kids, and one of them was like, "How many trophies have you won?" And I remember being like, "Oh wow, that's kind of hard." Like we've won lots of games, we've had huge games, obviously qualifying for the World Cup, getting to the World Cup, all that. But actually, we hadn't. I haven't won a trophy before, so. Being, being able to pick that up at the end of this tournament was just really, really special. And it's just a credit to kind of all the work, all the players, management, everyone has put in over the years. 
Rich, we've just gone through. There's been loads of achievements uh, for the squads in in your time in in the group. Where does this sort of rank in that in those achievements? Uh, oh, that's a hard question, but probably up there with qualifying for the World Cup. I think these would be top two. Um, I think potentially this is the most special, just because of you know it's the history behind it. Like Waz touched on, like it's been 22 years since Scotland women have won a trophy, um, and I think you know to be the the team that we you know have turned that tide and and hopefully are the start of a new year is, is really special but i think what makes it more special is the people within the group that we've done it with and um, it's been a like a core group of players since kind of that 2015 2016 era and um, that have been a part of the squad and then we've had some incredible youngsters join the squad over the last kind of two seasons and i think just everything we've gone through on and off the pitch um, and how we've built and how we've dealt with setbacks and, and all that stuff this probably is up there with with the kind of proudest moment that i've had um in a scotland shirt um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. You had the fantastic final win against Japan and then you had to wait about 24 hours, wasn't it, to find out if that was going to be enough or not. What was that like having to just, I mean, obviously during the Italy game, it's going to be tense, they, they nearly did enough. And then before that as well, you, you're just sitting wondering if that's going to be enough. What was that? That must have been awful. It, yeah, it was. I think the moral of the story is don't leave your fate in someone else's hands. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, the first half, like I was very much like, I, I, and I genuinely believe like we as a squad had done everything we could. So th there was nothing else we could do. We won three games, bonus points, and, and kind of put as much points out there as we could. So it was hard, like in the back of my head, just thinking about that throughout the whole time. Like there's nothing else we can do about this. <laughs> but then it got to about 70 minutes and then I was, I was sweating. I was, I was stressed. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, it was, it was a close game. Um, never have I been so grateful for USA in my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I actually watched very much of the game. I was using quite literally any excuse to leave the stadium and go do <laughs> get people food or whatever because I just, yeah, I was pretty miserable. <laughs> like Laz said, not being in control of the situation was, was pretty awful. Um, but, like, it was a really bizarre way to win a tournament in terms of just waiting for another team's result, but it was, it was really cool. It was really cool to be in stands and have that moment to tick together and then get on the pitch and kind of just soak all that up as well. It's been quite a long camp for you guys. You were here for a while before in, in camp before you went away. Um, what's the, the group been like? I mean, you said, you know, you've got some young faces, some that have been there um, and experienced a lot in the in the Scotland jersey. It, from the outside, it looks like a group that's really, really close knit. Yeah, like I've never been a part of such a special group in terms of kind of how close we are on and off the pitch and I think like that's probably contributing to some of the performances that we're seeing um, but we we it's softly as anything that we see it all the time but we absolutely love being in camp we love spending time together and, and we know how lucky we are that we get the opportunity to do that and like we talked quite a lot about you know you never know when your last game is and you, and you never know when your last opportunity to be a part of this squad is so we really wanted while we were out there to go and achieve something special with that special group um, and we didn't put that pressure on ourselves, but we just had that in the back of our mind, and I think that was a real driving factor for us. And it is, it is really special what we have, um, but we want to keep pushing that on and, and keep making it better. What did the downtime look like? I mean, you had a lot of time between; it was a week between each game. What did you do as a as a group to, to sort of keep things going? Yeah, I think that we actually had the balance pretty pretty good between obviously training. When you have three back to back games, you can't just continuously trained so it was important to kind of have that switch off time and it was it was very nice to be in Cape Town where it was actually sunny the full three weeks uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that <laughs> but yeah it was we got kind of got up Table Mountain 
um, went on like a few trips to the beach. Just being out and about in the sun, I'm not going to lie, was just really, really nice. And just being able to spend time essentially with your best friends. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really cool. We scored some great tries in the, in the tournament, but there's one that I think we've, we've probably got to mention from your, your second row partner, Emma. <laughs> Just tell me about that run-in. I mean, oh. it'll start as a halfway line. As, as the years go by, it'll be from her own 22, <laughs> from her own five. That, so that Japan game, that first 40 minutes of that Japan game, I have never, like, it was chaos. I was playing, I was playing sevens for 40 minutes. It was just so, it was, I was dying a little bit. But second half, had second kind of wind of energy. Um, Sarabona, unfortunately, the first kind of two weeks um, was facing a little bit of an injury and, yeah, really struggled. So it was just, we were just so delighted that she actually managed to make it back um, to get back on the pitch because she had had a phenomenal pre-season and, yeah, just someone who is really great to have around. Um, so, yeah, it was really nice to see her on the pitch, but... When that moment happened, Jenny went for a chip. She gets it. I'm on her inside. And I just remember thinking, like, what, what, what are you going to do? And I'm like, she's going, she's running, she's running. I need to catch her. <laughs> I'm, like, the closest one to her, and that's nowhere near. But I kind of, about, I think, 10 metres out, I'm already, like, crying. Because I'm like, she's got this. Uh, yeah, I was really, really chuffed for her. So, yeah, there's no one who really deserves it more. Rachel, not only have we got this trophy to... To look after for a while. Um, we also on our an equaling a record equaling uh, run of six wins. Um, how how special is that to be the captain of, of the side that has won that trophy and, and the first six out of six since two thousand and one? Yeah, it's like obviously the greatest honour to to captain Scotland, and I think like I've already touched on such a special group of people. Um, but I think you know there's so many people within this squad that that contribute to the leadership of this group. So it's definitely not just all on me, but I think in terms of having these moments and also the, the six game streak is is so special because of what we have been through as a squad. I think, you know, there was some serious low points in the last couple of years. And I think, you know, last year's Six Nations when we hit 12 losses in a row, that did feel very much like there was a points no way back and everyone was writing us off. And, you know, there was a lot of negative comments in the press and things like that. and that's tough to take but I think the character of this group and how they dealt with that and how they still kept believing and like I never once felt like I didn't have the team behind me as a, as a leader and, and I think that's that's pretty special considering where we were at um, but for us to have come back I think that's what makes this just such a special moment for us and I think the bit that's even more special is that we know that this is just the crest of the wave like we we want to push on we want to keep winning games we want to keep winning trophies for Scotland and we want to keep inspiring the future and, and pushing Scotland women on so you know, we know we've still got a big responsibility ahead of us and this has only really just kind of inspired us um, and kind of given us that confidence that we can do it um, and hopefully we will continue to in the future. Yeah, you said about inspiring the future. I know that's a huge value for you guys as a, as a group. Um, how aware were you of the, the support from back home? Because I think, as you touched on that, this is a great first step in, in inspiring women and girls across the country. Yeah, like the support, obviously being in South Africa is difficult because we obviously didn't have that many people out there. I was super fortunate that, that some of my family were, were able to come out and support us and kind of take the role of... Everyone's parents. <laughs> everyone's parents. <laughs> um, and Fee McIntosh's um, mum was there and so was Corinne Grant's. I think that was it, wasn't it? So there we, we, had, we did have a little contingent out there but who made a lot of noise considering there was only a few of them. But no, the support from back home has been phenomenal. You know, we really felt them behind us and I think as the tournament went on and and we got closer, like, it was it was so special. But 
I think, you know, it's it's massive for us. We spend hours out there after every game and we absolutely love it, you know, spending time with the, the young girls and boys who, who are kind of getting into rugby and, and seeing how excited they are to, to meet to meet players. Like, you know, we don't think of ourselves as anything that exciting, but to see, you know, even at the airport today, um, you know, some wee girls have got up at five o'clock in the morning to come and welcome us back. And that's just like, that's why we do it. And that's why, you know, we want more like more women and girls to play we want to grow the game and if you know doing things like this it helps with that then then that's us doing our job and I think yeah so that was that was pretty special today but the support's been incredible but like we just want to keep pushing that on as well great to hear from them there as well and imagine they'll be celebrating long into the <laughs> long into the new year at this point um you touched on it a bit earlier mostly about the rugby world cup now mm. in your in your opinion how important was a difficult rugby world cup campaign in perhaps preparing this side that is clearly evolving yeah, it, and building it's it's essential you obviously don't want you know to to have difficult results but you, i think every team probably goes through them and they need them and they're only valuable and only essential if you improve from them or use them to get better, and, and that's exactly what, what the team have done. Um, it was so long since Scotland women had played in a Rugby World Cup, then you couldn't expect, none of the players had experienced it, obviously, but you couldn't really expect somebody to know what it's like without doing it. So getting exposed to that experience was really good. And, and the game's moved on again even since then. That was a year ago. Um, it feels a long time ago, yeah. doesn't it, when we look at how they're, even the style of play. Even yeah, and even the first cohesion. half of the TikTok Six Nations, it was similar s- story where they didn't get over the line, didn't get the results, and then came the game against um, uh, against Ireland and then Italy. Uh, and, you know, never lost since then. So there was a, a real clear progression, and, th- and there is more to come. I think that the the way I would sum up the, the games at Arsenal was composure. Uh, a really composed team. It comes from Rachel and the leadership and the senior players uh, there. I don't forget, through the, the Six Nations as well, there were senior players missing. They really had to um, use a lot more players than probably they would have hoped, but it, that, again, broadened the, the base. It got more experience to younger players, and then taking that into the WXV, the, there was composure in every one of those games. If the opening game against South Africa, they were second best in some areas, but then managed to manage areas like the scrum, for instance, they really struggled, but then managed the line that scored, as Lana always does, from uh, from, from line at balls. that line out, it's, uh, but, so it's, uh, and yeah. it's, a, it's a great... But you're under harmony. pressure in a, a big facet of the game, and you manage your game and understand and use the composure to to use the strength of the game and get over the, the line with a result, similar to the USA. And then again, as I mentioned, the, the Japanese game... That, Japan keep the ball really well. They stress your defence massively in terms of the, the number of phases they go through, the intensity they play at. But there was never looked like a panic um, playing at that, that, that wind in the first half on Friday. And then going in at halftime, having dominated the scrum in that game, won a penalty try, and then just really turned on the style in the second half. So there was composure from the senior players, but also from a lot of the young players. And the young players say young in age but they're gaining loads of experience I mean Moore scored the two tries spoke about and Fran McGee's been absolutely brilliant since she comes in and you know Evie Gallagher has been brilliant player of the match I think in the second game has been really good in the back row and obviously uh, I think Meryl Smith as well who comes off the, the bench it brings quality and, and composure for young players and you know working alongside Helen Nelson with the experience head um, and you had your Rachel Malcolms and Jade Kunkles come off the bench and Sarah Bonner coming on yeah. and scoring a world day for 50. Oh, I mean, and, and great, <laughs> it's a great, great, great for her, especially yeah. after her. Well, she her. missed so much through injury. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know the, the impact that that has on everybody else. The fact that you've got a senior player coming back, desperately fighting to get in, and then scoring a try and setting an example. It, it, it's a really good place. It's difficult now as they don't play until as a team until. I think March, March the end yeah. of March, twenty third of March is Wales away, and that'll be a challenge. Wales are in WXV one alongside kind of top branded teams, England and New Zealand, Canada, Australia, and France. Um, so they've Wales have been exposed to a high level of competition. So uh, and teams that there's a bit of history obviously between yeah, the teams that we always talk about. So that's yeah. the next challenge once the, the players have have played for their their, their domestic teams and um, and hopefully improve on on what's gone and, and look ahead to. Earth. A big deal. And the thing about that Wales game is there's enough uh, experienced, shall we say, players in that squad to. to well, they had <laughs> a training really hit out as well just yeah. a couple of weeks before I we went away to uh, to South Africa. There was a training hit out here in the back pitches, and and even in that there was mm, spice. Uh, it was, and, and but again afterwards, helped each other, trained together, had a hit out, and then obviously debriefed and whatever. So there's a there's a respect there, but there's there's an edge as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the how the result goes in the, in the tee off that in the end of March, towards the end of March. And in terms of the home TikTok Six Nations, we've got, you know, the 30th of March um, at home to France and then on the 13th of April uh, against England too. And uh, what's great now is that Hive is, uh, is you know, you, you need to get your tickets yeah, <laughs> in yeah. a nutshell because it's it's a great atmosphere and, and the, the audience, the fans are there for yeah. that game, which makes yeah, a massive yeah, difference. You mentioned fans greeting the team at the airport this morning at whatever time that was, half past six or so. I mean, so. it was six o'clock over there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's uh, no warm today. No, no. And we've seen the, the connection between the fans and the players, you know, and that'll be the same. It's a big ask. France and England are, are you know, I haven't spoken to Emma Wassell last week and Rachel mentioned it as well. Like They're still above us. They're still better than us. They're still where Scotland want to try and get to to be competitive with because they are, they are in a different league or they have been traditionally a different league but that gap's closing and the challenge now for those two really tough games is to, to close that gap further apply more pressure um, and it's easier done at home at Hive when you've got so many people cheering you on and they'll have the bit between their teeth after lifting the WXV2 trophy <laughs> Speaking of celebrations, do we must be still doing some sort of handstand or t- mm-hmm. <laughs> celebratory uh, celebratory cartwheel for winning try the year? And in a year that had, you know, we've had a rugby world cup, there was plenty to choose from. But that try, that try, yeah, was. I mean, you talked about worldy earlier. That that was a worldy. It was. It was. It was a. Uh, I can still remember watching it and thinking how special it was at the time. It was one of the kind of jaw drop moments. You're like, what did that actually happen? Can't believe we just because seen of this. the. Yeah. The game it was in, the quality of the opposition, the players that you managed to beat. Uh, I mean, it was. And you, more often than not, world try of the year, or quite often it's a team try. Like it is six, seven phases. It's offload after offload. It's multiple people involved. But that was just one man. Or, or kind of, I think Steno maybe threw the pass from the, the clearance kick so Steno can get an assist. Yeah, yeah, he got his but assist. But it, al- it was almost an individual, it pretty mm-hmm. much was an individual effort, which highlights again how special it was because it's uh maybe a, maybe a few um pretty good tries over the over the year so um for for us to see do pick that up and um and be respected for what it was it's a it's a great accolade it's a, a 
although it's a team one, it's a personal one as well for, for Duhan. It, was a, it, was a, it wasn't a bad finish, was it? Well, and it, I mean, it was in the, the Guinness Six Nations last year, and it's it's quite fitting now that that's happened at the end of the, the Rugby World Cup's behind us. But looking ahead to that next tournament, we've got we've got that to look forward to, and it will actually be here before we know it. I mean, it's yeah. <laughs> we're in November now, <laughs> so it'll be here before we know it. But with that in mind, I mean, looking ahead, um, the back of on the back of what wasn't the the Rugby World Cup end that I suppose that Scotland wanted. Uh, but looking ahead, does the focus now shift to that? Can we now channel all focus onto that, um, uh, or do you just want to go back and have a bit of time with your club? Well, I think I think club's important, really important for the players. I think the coaches will um, immediately immediately be looking ahead. They'll be um, reviewing obviously Rugby World Cup. They'll review what not just their own performance, and that will be a finished and, and, and concluded but they'll be reviewing kind of trends for rugby world cup that'll give them an idea as to why south africa came out on top or why um you know zealand you didn't didn't get over the final hurdle what happened in the quarters the same is there'll be trends within the game that the coaches will review so th- and that'll be with an eye on how do we you know help prepare scotland's national team for what comes up next which is the guinness six nations but the players will just be thinking about getting back to their club and, and i actually like the fact that um, a lot of them have been heavily involved already. Um, Straight off the bat, yeah, and yeah. not just and the it, not just the excels. Yeah, and it's everybody plays a different amount of rugby at Rugby World Cup. Everyone plays a different amount of rugby going into a Rugby World Cup. Like Hamish Watson was player of the match, right? and and he you know played that one game against Romania, but you could see he was just desperately trying to get back it, out there. And he was, <laughs> as Luke Crosby was brilliant as well. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Healy's influence a week before. Whereas Glasgow, you've got guys like Xander who's played two games already and he was heavily involved in kind of three of the four games, wasn't he? And, and mm-hmm. uh, or certainly a couple of games in the World Cup. So the uh, everybody's different, but I do think, and I know from my own experiences, your mindset quickly moves on. Like you don't look back as a player much at all. You can't affect it. You can't do anything about it. You think, what's the next challenge? And my mindset, and I hope the players' mindset, is like, I need to get back in my club team. And the player who's keeping me out of the club team or who's been there whilst I've been on international duty doesn't want to give me that shirt back. So you create that competition. And I think when players are fit and well and ready, then getting back in and and contributing is really important. uh, As I said before, seven weeks of URC, there's two down, there's five to go before a European couple of fixtures in Europe and then you're into the derbies at Christmas and New Year. So you're right, the Guinness Six Nations will be here pretty soon after that. Well, you have teed that up nicely. Let's turn our attentions properly to the the URC then. And if you look at you know look at last weekend, we'll start with Glasgow. Not the result that they wanted uh, after a, a cracking opening weekend against Leinster. Fell short against Connacht. What what was your assessment of that game? I think they'd be disappointed with it. The uh, I, I was okay, doing some some media stuff, and I said before the game this will be a harder game for Glasgow than playing Leinster at home the week before was and you get a few raised eyebrows uh, and I, I believe it was I think Connett at home are really strong their structures their sh- attack and shape really commit you it holds you quite similar to the Irish game they, they don't really you know they've got a lot of consistency because I think one day Aki, Finlay Bealham uh, and Mark Hansen were only three that they'd lost from you know from international duty um, and it is a real challenge and, and but Glasgow will be disappointed because well, they were leading the first half. Yeah, they probably conceded too many turnovers in the first half. They couldn't really get the flow. Um, 
kind of errors, one or two interceptions, one or two drop balls, and then when they did find the momentum in the second half, it was probably stagnated with or or, or kind of broken up with penalty concessions. So it was difficult for them to get the floor. Connacht were excellent in what they did. The, the defence spooked Glasgow a little bit. Um, so yeah, it was a frustrating one. I think there, there was there was some good, but a frustrating one not to capitalise on the win the week before, but. Connett were semi-finalists last year. Uh, I think they'll be top eight again this year. Um, I don't think there'll be too many teams go there and, and win. If they do, they're going to have to play towards the top of their game and, and, and Glasgow just fell a wee bit short. So they'll be frustrated. But they're, they're at a six-day turnaround this week at Stormers at home as well. So um, the Glasgow Stormers game at Scotland last year was pretty special. So yeah. uh, I think it'll be, yeah, all at attack. Stormers are two from two, scored a... Mm-hmm. Uh, a barrel load of points against the Scarlets at home last weekend, so it'll be an, it'll be an attacking one, I think. Uh, Fran- Franco, Franco, S- Franco Smith will be eyeing this game as well as a, as a you have p- to. key point. Yeah, you know, I think, uh, I mean... Got to win at home. Well, you got to win at home, and if you look at the, the top eight that qualified for the playoffs last year, you had four Irish teams, three South Africans in Glasgow. So if you're trying to break into that top eight, if you're one of the teams that didn't find top eight, who drops out? Whose place do you take? You know, for Edinburgh, they obviously want to get into that top eight at least. So, so who drops out? There's a lot of quality teams and it's a really tough league. So your home form becomes vitally important. And I say Glasgow last year started the season quite similar, winning at home and, and you know uh, lost a couple of games away from home. I think away in Benetton first up, then away to Ospreys. And then they found the rhythm and got back in. But you don't want to concede too many games in this opening seven-week period because it's it, the quality of the league makes it hard to catch up unless you go on a, a pretty special run. So definitely be targeting this game on Friday night. Edinburgh, meanwhile, took a leaf out of uh, South Africa's playbook. Just one point win, that's all you need. <laughs> one point win, hey, a win's <laughs> a win. W's a W, and, and that was all that was needed yeah. to beat Lions uh, at Hive Stadium. What were your thoughts about that? Good, good again. Uh, Edinburgh, I think the, the best thing, f- you know, as a kind of observer from Edinburgh, is they've played two games, won both of them without really being anywhere near the best. There's so much more to come, and I think the... Having spoken to a few of the guys and watching them, they say that themselves. We're not clicking, but we've won two games. Um, the Lions are a, a, a pretty good side as well. I think they'll be another team. They finished ninth last year. They'll be targeting the top eight. There's some brilliant individual players, midfield, back row, um, nine. So Edinburgh really had to dig deep. Um, I mean, if you look, like Lions had 61% possession, mm-hmm. 57% territory, but Edinburgh made 175 tackles to Lions is 82. It was. It was like it was, it was a one point game, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but it, when you're watching it, you kind of felt it was as well. Mm. It, it could have gone either way. I, I think Edinburgh getting that trophy Ashie on his uh, his club debut off the he bench. Was so was happy, going, wasn't uh, he? Just had a bit of stick about his lack of knee lift. <laughs> <laughs> the, the scuttler, but it was a brilliant <laughs> impact. Um, but then there was so much good defence as well. So yeah, Edinburgh, I think, are really. Happy to be two from two, but frustrated probably with how they've played. They'll have to improve again this week. They go on the road to, to RDS on Saturday. Um, so that, that'll be a big big challenge. But yeah, I think for a for a team that's still integrating international players, for a team that's got a new head coach and coaches that have they've hit the ground running, it's really hard to do. And I think they're in a really good place and they should be proud of the first two victories. And I think Sean Everett himself said, you know, that last season... Edinburgh were on the wrong side of those yeah. narrow margins and ultimately that's what it was, isn't it? Last season they were very, very close finishes and actually but they were just on the wrong side of that where it was already what we've seen, yeah, that's two from two. Yeah, so so the, they can be confident going to Leinster but they're going to have to improve the the, the physical nature uh, of the lines was, was something else in terms of some of the, 
when the the fella that came on at 158 kilograms takes a bit of stopping. Um, so you get this real physical, physical combative elements or, or, or moments against lines that Edinburgh dealt with real well. But when you play Leinster, it's just that, but incessant. It's every single time that level of physicality is on every carry and every clear out and every breakdown and it gets on top of you. So you, the game management will need to be important. But They're also back up to full strength post-World yeah. Cup. Yeah, I think everybody who's who's fit is available um, and that brings a challenge as well in, in, in incorporating players who uh, maybe have only been back in training for a week or ten days um, but as we said right at the start of this segment like that's what you want you want players who are who, who have been there not wanting to give up the shirt and you want the players who haven't been there to try and grab it back so good weekend and good opportunity at this weekend so a tough trip on the road to Leinster for Edinburgh looking to get a third successive win in the URC after that it's three home games on the bounce we've got Connett on Saturday 11th Bulls Friday 17th and then Benetton Friday 24th of November all with the 7.35 kickoff at High St- Hive Stadium uh, might as well go all out you can buy the hat-trick pass for all three home games with a discount of 20% on tickets how good an opportunity is that? Though? Obviously for a hat-trick pass, but I was actually played three games at home as well. <laughs> that makes this weekend even more important. Yeah. It, or not that you, you don't have to make it more important, but if you can go into a three-home game run against quite a position at Medley with three wins, two of them away from home, then that's uh, that's that's uh, exactly what you want going into the season. If you don't win this weekend, then the focus is still the same. Really target these, you just said it, target your home, home games and you can you know get get your can you foot in the door in terms of URC standings quite early in the season. And if we look back to last season again, doing that comparative, if memory serves, we were a, we were away early doors as well in South Africa, yeah. and it was a that was a, it was a really tough start to the calendar. It was, it, and it was single points or a couple of points. In Edinburgh, a really big victory, home victory against Dragons, in the, the first game. Then it went on tour South Africa, like Stormers and Bulls, both mm-hmm. lost them both by. A kick, I think. Yeah, fine, fine margins. And then the the third game was back uh, here at High Stadium. But the following week was it or something? Week, but yeah. it was against the Lions, who were South African. That's but right. there was this really unique, <laughs> really unique situation where the Lions were actually in the country before the Edinburgh guys. So their home game was <laughs> disrupted because the Lions were already in Europe, mm-hmm. and Edinburgh after the, the, the two games over in South Africa had to, to fly back and, and narrowly missed out that that game against the Lions as well. So had to chase her tail. Um, you know, from from quite early on in the season, um, so yeah, it's uh, it shows you how we talk about the fine margins in rugby world cup and international rugby, but it's the same at club rugby. And uh, it's never too early in my house to start talking about Christmas, but if it does feel a wee bit a wee bit early, but but further <laughs> further, further <laughs> <laughs> a bit further down the line, I suppose uh, you know world rugby. It's the oldest rivals, Edinburgh and Glasgow. They go head to head next month uh, in December, of course, with the first leg at Scotstone on Friday, twenty second December at seven thirty five pm. Then, oh, it's the old acquaintance decider. That's here at the uh, on the hallowed turf at Scottish Gas Murrayfield, and that's at three pm on Saturday. 30th tickets for that game are actually available to buy now. Uh, I don't know what I love about that game. I know it's miles ahead, but I, I, I just like rounding off the year. <laughs> I like it comes f- quickly. That's that's and we're that's already talking say, that, about. That's it. what I'm saying about URC. You've got your seven games that we're already well into week three of European fixtures, and then your back to back derbies is back in URC. So you it, it does, and, and you know, midway point, I mean, not midway point, but if you the start of a new year, um. And those games are pivotal. They really are in terms of 
URC top top eight qualification national perspective in terms of head head to heads with with a domestic player. So it's um yeah, it's it's not gonna be too far away. Uh-huh. I'm just telling you, you and I will be talking about you putting your Christmas tree away on the twenty sixth of December in no you time remember at that all. For last year. I do, I do. I'll never forget uh, it. Myself. I, tried, eh? <laughs> I think you started. I did, it didn't go well. I kind of wanted it to go away, but it was it remained up for a wee bit. You're pining for it now. Uh, did you get my joke? Anyway. That's a bad one. That's a one. Well, there you go. Plenty uh, to look forward to. The domestic rugby season is well underway. And very best wishes to Glasgow and Edinburgh Rugby this coming weekend and everyone who is involved in rugby across the country. As always, you can keep up to date with the latest goings-on via scottishrugby.org or via Scottish Rugby's social media channels. (laughs) 